Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's show. And once again, we're recording a little bit more in advance than we would normally because uh, Tara's going away in September. Um, But right now, everyone is still in the thick of the August challenges and there are so many people taking part and it's been really fun to watch. So as always, thank you to everyone who's been sharing their work with us on social media. Who's caught your eye in the August challenges? Well, loads and loads of people. We've got some really great newbies that have come into the group as well. There's loads now. Um, So... Too many to mention, obviously, at the moment, Um, but Angela Murphy, she has been doing these lovely uh, sort of paintings on pebbles and sort of like beach stones. Have you seen them? Yeah, she's doing a little thing for charity, isn't she? Raising money, I think, for something. Yeah, she is. And, um, oh, some of them are lovely. And she did did this one particular one. In fact, there's two that have really caught my eye. One's a tree frog, and I've always loved tree frogs. Never, ever seen one in my life, only on the telly, but... um, I thought that was absolutely lovely. And she also did this, it was like a close-up of a Labrador nose. And it was so funny. I think the the shape of the pebble was perfect. But she's done like a whole collection of them. They're absolutely brilliant. I've been really, really enjoying those. Um, And we've got Gabriella Pop. She's been doing um, 31 Animals August. And, yeah, she's been doing some lovely sort of loose watercolours. Really gorgeous. One of them was like a Dalmatian. And uh, that was that was fantastic as well. They're all all of her stuff I love, and Heather Adams has been doing some gorgeous um, things as well for Thirty One Animals August. In fact, all of mine seem to be doing the animal yeah, challenge. Yeah, it's quite popular. Heather it? Adams has, yeah, she's been doing some drawings. She did one particular drawing which I thought was so good, and it was of an owl's eye. It was just a close up of an owl's eye, and I thought that was brilliant. What about you? Yeah, I've really loved the work of Deb Sane, and she seems to have a really really distinct style quite a lot of line work but then the really bright colors really love some of that especially there's one she did the other day um it was a lizard i think it might be the chameleon really like that one i don't know if you saw that i do love deb's saying stuff and she does a really lovely sketchbook pages as well yeah, doesn't she, she? Does. Uh, and then there's Catherine c slater oh she's done some lovely stuff but one that really really caught my eye was one of selfie that she did and she did it over a background it was kind of a bluey background and what she'd done was photocopied something that she tie-dyed in the past to create that background and it was just sort of really mm. quite moody quite a picture and then one that I really really liked I thought it was really clever it was that Kim Hine and Kim Lewis did a bit of a collaboration and what happened was Kim Hine painted a picture of a kelpie and then it obviously inspired Kim Lewis and she wrote a poem about it. She's really into poetry. And then the two of them have kind of put that together on an image. So they've got the image with words on top. I thought that was really nice. I saw that. What a good idea. idea. Yeah, we've got some real friendships forming, haven't we, on, on the yeah, group, so good. which is brilliant. Natara, you've been taking part, haven't you, in uh, one of the August challenges? So tell us how you're getting on. Yeah, well, originally I was going to do the 31 Animals August and the Quick Kick August, but I seem to have just done the Quick Kick in the end. Um, so you know I've been having a bit of a slump, don't you? Yeah. I think you have yeah. as well. We're going to do a bit of a 
a future podcast about that, I think. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I've been experimenting a bit and I tried drawing with watercolour brush pens, but completely different to how I was doing it before. So I've just been going straight in with colour without any outlines. And that actually really felt better. I think that breaking what you normally do seems to help a little bit. And then we had a podcast, didn't we, With which we haven't aired yet, with my art hero, John Bergman. (laughs) And he was obviously talking about doodling, the sort of art he does. And that got me sort of trying some doodling again. It really inspired me. So I got a cheap little sketchbook and I've been trying just doodling on coloured paper. And again, I think that idea of John Bergman's motto seems to be all about enjoying himself. And he, when he creates, he doesn't seem to worry about the outcome. He just seems to see what happens. So I've sort of really been trying that too. Um, so how have the Miracle Mornings been going for you with your challenge? Well, let me quickly go back to your John Bergerman um, yes. thing. <clears throat> I have a new book to add to my Danny Gregory collection, ah. <laughs> which is um, which is John Bergerman's book from basically, basically because of that interview. I was really inspired, actually. So, yeah, I've got, his little book came through the post a few days ago. And it's really, really good. So I might even try some doodling myself. I wondered if you tried anything yet. Yeah, I will. I'm definitely going to. It's yeah. great. I mean, you know, he's really, really good fun, isn't he? Definitely, yeah. And I think it's, he is all about just trying things and seeing what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, early rise August. Well, I yeah, I have been doing early rise August and I've been doing it religiously. And um, I've been using the extra hour to do loads of different things um including working on a little painting which i'm hoping that i might be able to include as um the kick time challenge fingers crossed um that's if i get it done in time and i've been using it to do some drawings as well um but the miracle morning part um if anyone hasn't heard of that then just look it up on google um it's a concept by hal elwod but i'm quite open-minded um but i have to say i can't help finding it quite amusing sometimes I still can't quite get my head around the affirmations so the idea of affirmations is that you convince yourself that you're going to have a fantastic day and that everything's going to be absolutely brilliant and the problem I find with that is that if something does go wrong like I don't know maybe I didn't get around to doing doing something I promised myself I would I don't know if I've said to myself I'm going to spend an hour in the art studio today if I don't get round to doing that I find myself feeling really really disappointed and um kind of begs the question doesn't it that if this is my theory (laughs) this is the brick coming out in me (laughs) if if you were to start your day with really negative affirmations such as (laughs) Absolutely everything is going to go horribly wrong today. (laughs) Then surely the moment something goes right, you'll be absolutely ecstatic. (laughs) See, this is the pessimist view. I've got the pessimist view. You don't want this. (laughs) No, no. Now, I'm not suggesting that anyone should start chanting negative affirmations at all. I'm really, really not. But it was just the kind of thought I had, kind of like a reverse psychology. I was just kind of thinking, you know, isn't it funny how when you think everything's going to go wrong and it doesn't, you're like, oh. But if you think everything's going to go right and it goes wrong, it's a real... (laughs) I find myself feeling really, really like, oh, God, didn't work. (laughs) I have a friend, I don't know if I've told you about it, Lisa Warner. I don't know if she's listening, but she does sometimes. But she is really good at the 
at being positive about everything. I really yeah. admire her for it. But she has this thing where she's almost trained herself. And I can't remember what the exact thing is that she wakes up thinking. But as she wakes up, she has this thing playing in her head, something like today is going to be an amazing day. Well, it's, that is similar, isn't yeah. it? It's a similar she concept, doesn't even but... have to think about it now because it's just she's programmed it that that's what's in her head when she wakes up. I think that's amazing. But then what happens when she gets out of bed and stubs her toe? I don't She seems she can put a real positive spin on things. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. Oh, I've lost my toenail. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> but at least all the others are all right. That's probably what you think. Yeah, that's yeah, that, I've got four, I've got four other good ones on that foot. <laughs> Seriously, though, I, I'm not entirely convinced about the affirmations, but I mean, how? what, what date is it today, Tara? 15th? Yeah. So we're what, halfway through. Yeah, so. Are. Maybe I've got another two weeks before it'll start working. But um, I do think, um, oh, and also I'm not entirely convinced about the meditation yet either. <laughs> what are you convinced about? <laughs> well, I, I am having a go. So, yeah. you know, hats off, I'm having a go. So the meditation thing, the trouble is with meditation is that I spend most of my time, instead of being in a trance, thinking god I, there are so many things i could be doing while i'm doing this I or i should be doing while i'm doing that. it i think that's normal <laughs> i think yeah. you've just got to keep redirecting your, your mind haven't you to try and relax where, where i do find it good is if i am having a stressful situation maybe i'm i've spoken to someone who's just one of those people who <laughs> make you feel uptight or something not me, um, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go and meditate yeah. in a minute um, then I'll, I found it useful then to kind of just calm down a bit, you know, when you speak to someone who's really rude yeah. or something. I don't know. That is me, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, you just, when I edit back these podcast episodes, sometimes I realise you've said something and it's gone totally over my head. <laughs> so I don't even think I notice after time. <laughs> but, but. Getting up that extra hour earlier, it's definitely had a positive effect. I mean, I as I, I think I've told you before, I did this last last year, so I'm actually two hours earlier than I used to be now. But I'm I absolutely hate getting out of bed. I'm literally just not a morning person. Um, but I've never once regretted getting up early, and yet I always regret getting up late. So it makes sense, really, doesn't it? Yeah, especially if you can do something creative, like you said, you've been drawing as well. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the ways I've made it easier for myself is to stop uh, pressing the snooze button for a start, and that is one of the many good tips that has, you know, was shared in that Mir uh, Miracle Morning book. And I realised that by snoozing for ten minutes and then another ten minutes and then sometimes another, <laughs> what I'm actually doing is I'm putting myself through that process of waking up over and over again, where as if I you know just got up in the first place then I'd only have to go through the trauma of getting up once so I don't press the snooze button at all now and also I've started putting my alarm across the other side of the room so to turn it off I've got to get out of bed so once I'm up there's really no point in getting back in um I've never been a morning person but I'm I think I'm gradually training myself to be one yeah but that made just... you miss the podcast that we were going to do didn't it the other week do you remember? What was that? You you texted me. I think it was a podcast we were doing. We were supposed to be chatting in the morning, and you texted me. Think it's going to be more like half a state than eight o'clock oh, yeah. <laughs> because you oh, turned off the snooze and fell asleep. 
time I tried not snoozing yeah. I thought no I'm gonna press stop instead of snooze and I pressed stop and then I woke up and a certain word sprung to mind <laughs> and it was like oh no oh dear I have a podcast but um yeah I was a bit late that yeah. day anyway what about you what is new with you Tara uh, do you know I don't even know if I've told you about this but I met oh that wasn't the answer I was oh. expecting oh no well I met this very weird eccentric artist recently have I told you about this no her name was Sandra Busby <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought you were gonna say <laughs> important than our meeting <laughs> yes so to, to explain it to everybody you and I finally met didn't we and I think we've known each other I was trying to work it out we must have known each other for over a year now I think online yeah we? and Paul your husband had been in touch with me well via your daughter as a sort of long way round, but to arrange for you to come as a surprise down to my way and we all to go out in the evening so yeah, I was really nervous. You had no clue, so and I'd been panicking to to my partner, and then I think, what time it was about five o'clock? Me, me and Kevin, my partner, were out walking through the woods with a dog, and I got a text from you saying, Tara, Paul seems to have brought me somewhere in Northamptonshire. That's near you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought she knows, she must know, but but you didn't, did you? No, not at all. Not at all. If this is what happened from my point of view, because obviously, like you said, I had absolutely no idea at all. Anyway, a couple of weekends before, obviously, all this was going to happen. Um, Paul just said to me, "Keep um, the weekend of whatever I can't remember the date it was now. Uh, keep that free because we're going to go away for the weekend." I was like, "Really? Or where are we going to go?" And he said, "Oh, it's a secret." And he kind of laughed and said, "It'll be really boring, really." He said, "But just keep that oh, free." And I. <laughs> No, he was trying to throw me off the scent. He didn't want me to get too excited. He just didn't want me to think anything. He said, oh, I'm not telling you yet. And then I kept saying to him, well, where is it? In the end, I finally got it out of him that we were basically going to a spa hotel. And I thought, oh, that would be nice. Anyway, on the way up, there was this sign that said North Hampton. And um, I said, actually... Tara lives in this county, but county being the word I was focusing on here. I yeah, mean, they can be it's massive, like where they? I live, Sussex, it's huge. So um, we got to this hotel, and I thought I've got to tell Tara we're in the same counties, which is when I said to you, <laughs> I "Can't believe you oh, didn't guess I, it." I can't. No, I didn't guess it. Not in a million years, because I wouldn't have dreamt that Paul would have ever got hold of you or known how to or anything really. And the funny thing was, we went down to the bar. And I went and had a little look at this um, painting on the wall, which was ideal for you, apparently, wasn't it? Because I was facing the yeah, other way and you totally. walked in. I had my I glasses turned... and my disguise on. Sometimes. Yeah, I turned around and and there you were. And I just, do you know, even at that moment, I still thought it was a complete coincidence and that somehow you were just going out for a drink in a bar. <laughs> absolutely gobsmacked and I'll tell you what as if I'm not squeaky enough already I said to you didn't I? I'm sure only dogs can hear me at the moment because <laughs> I was just so shocked and I don't I don't think we stopped talking until from that moment until half past one 
yeah, 20 to 2, half 1, something like that in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we met and it was great. And we're meeting again, aren't yes, we? Yes, um, I'm a bit scared about the next meeting because we're going to have yeah. a creative, a creative oh, day yeah. in London, I think, aren't we? We're going to do some bonkers no, things around not. London. We're going to do some sensible things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to meet up again. So that, that'll be really, really cool. And probably beginning of October, something like that, I think. Yeah, either end September, beginning October. Yeah. Or it gets too cold. Yeah. yeah. And the other news is that Tara and I have finally finished the first draft of our children's book. Um, so you might remember that we took part in the February Fables Challenge, which involved writing the first draft of a children's book during the month of February. Um, we did it a little bit differently, though, didn't we, Tara? So we did a co-written book where what we did is that one of us would write 250 words and you had to stop dead at the 250 words, even if it was mid-sentence. And then we'd send it to the other one and then they'd add theirs and so so on. It worked quite well because I think we... Maybe our imagination is fairly similar, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think you write um, more elaborately than me. I... <laughs> no, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, you're more to the I point, aren't you? Me, and you, and there's probably a good halfway point between the two of us, really. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, it's taken us six months, hasn't it, to do rather oh. than one. Of course, the challenge yeah. was one, but because we have all this kicking the creative stuff to do which is a lot of work actually isn't it um we we couldn't um do it in a month but um we did really want to we stuck to the 250 words pretty much every week i think we've each done 250 i think we might have missed one week or two weeks or something i think it was maybe when you were in france or something i don't know but um it is now at twelve thousand seven hundred and three words and uh it's finally ready for the first edit so yeah we've got our draft um and yeah, we've just got to start editing it. And actually, this might be the perfect time to mention <clears throat> that we have got indie author Joanna Penn on the show very soon. Um, so all of you writers out there might want to listen out for that one. And um, yeah, maybe she can give us a, some advice on publishing. Yeah, I mean, she is so driven. I remember speaking to her before and she's, she's just amazing. The amount of mm. stuff she can get done, so creative, but also a real, real business mind. So I think whether you're just looking to sort of write creatively or you're looking to get your work out there, she should have some really good tips. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you what, she's the first woman I've heard, because um, she's got her own podcast, that's as um, excitable and as squeaky as I am. <laughs> she's not that excitable. No. <laughs> so it could be, a, you might want to block, you might want to wear earplugs when you listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's lovely. I, I can't wait to talk to her. I'm really excited about that. Anyway, shall we go um, on what today's episode yes, is about? Yeah, we've seen we've been for ages. So today's episode is all about creating for commissions versus creating for joy. So do you love them or do you hate them? And when we say commissions, we're not just talking about the ones we, that you get paid for. It's the ones where you get... I don't, I'm not going to say forced, but when you get asked to create something specifically for someone. So that could be either for payment or it could be when your friends and family ask you to do something. Um, so we've been do- thinking about doing this episode for a while, but really it's come to a head because you're working on a commission at the moment, aren't you, Sandra? 
I am. Yeah. And I know you've been um, struggling with a bit with it a bit. So you've got a pretty strong opinion about this as well. <laughs> yeah, this could be a bad time to have this episode. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, obviously, there is something lovely about being asked to do a commission. I mean, after all, it means that somebody loves your work so much that they want you to do it for them above everyone else. And that's such a lovely feeling. But it's really easy to say yes to a commission, even when sometimes your answer really should be absolutely no chance, no way, not on your Nelly, <laughs> which is what mine should have been this time, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to only take commissions that are right for you and only take them when the timing is right as well. So we're going to talk about our experiences so that you can learn from our mistakes and hopefully get the balance right. So one thing to consider is, are you actually ready to take on a commission? So when you first start drawing and painting, you get really excited when someone asks you to, you know, to do something for them and you might actually be able to charge for it. That's absolutely amazing. The problem is you've probably got no idea what to charge and you're not quite sure if you can actually, you know, produce what they want, you know, when they want it as well. You you just say yes because you're so pleased to be asked. Yeah, and I think one of the most important things that you should understand is that, you know, you should only ever take on a commission that you're comfortable with. I'm not saying that you shouldn't stretch yourself at all because, you know, commissions can be really, really good for that purpose. But if you're someone who paints um, mainly still life and somebody asks you to paint their house or a landscape, then you might be wise to turn them down. I mean, there's nothing worse than a failed painting to crush your confidence. And when the pressure's on, it's even worse. And if you don't enjoy the process, then I guarantee it'll only show in the end result. So if in doubt, leave it out. Oh, what a lovely little rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I got that from my mum. That's what she says. (laughs) So from a graphic designer's point of view, you know, obviously when you do graphic design, you work in an industry where you're always working from a client's brief, unless it's, you know, something you're doing yourself. And it can be a bit soul destroying, especially if it's a type of work that doesn't necessarily inspire you. And that's just the same as commissions, really. So I've always done personal projects to try and counteract this. So, for example, I've done work for companies that's really, really uninspiring, like creating packaging for smoke alarms and fire extinguishers, and it, it's really hard to get excited about them. But, you know, it pays the bills, so you do it. The problem is that if you do too much of that sort of stuff, you end up hating what you once liked, you know, whether that's drawing, design, or whatever it is. So whenever you take on commissions, only take it on if you're comfortable with the subject or if you really need the money. The same could be said of a freelance job like design. Ideally, you try and find work that fits your passion. And that's if you, you, know, you still like what you do. Tara, you mentioned spending time on personal projects alongside a commission. So what kind of things do you mean? What do you mean by that? Um, well, sort of personal projects to me, it's something you could do. It's your own a little project you set yourself. So it could be something to build a portfolio or a side hustle or just something that you, fulfills you creatively. So In my case throughout my career, I've regularly had personal projects because my career didn't really fulfill my creativity and my creative need. So these were things like creating a cartoon book or creating characters, learning 3D and coming up with product ideas. You know, I'd try and license those as well. And of course, kicking the creatives. Um, That's our personal project, you know, and I'm really passionate about that as well. But all these things are things that, you know, I love and, you know, inspire me creatively whereas the design work didn't necessarily do that. So I needed to balance out the two. Yeah, I mean, when I'm on a commission, really what I need is to have something you know, else going along the side, even if it's just drawing. But the problem I find with this is sometimes finding the time to do both. But if you're not 
enjoying a commission then you've got to make time for something else otherwise you might find yourself really struggling to get back in the studio once you're done because it can just drain your confidence. Now you mentioned to me that commissions are good for stretching yourself so what do you mean by that and how far are you actually prepared to go? Okay so for example last year I had a couple contact me from Massachusetts and they'd seen my marble paintings online and they wanted me to paint some marbles for their apartment wall. Anyway, they sent me the size that they wanted, um, which I assumed was in centimetres. So there I was looking at this thinking, oh, yeah, that'd be great because I love painting marbles. um, Really enjoy it. And that sort of what they were sending me was a size I was very comfortable with until I realised what they were actually telling me was in inches. (laughs) So as you probably know already, marbles, as I say, is my favourite subject to paint. I love painting them and I'm very comfortable painting them. But when I realised that the size they wanted was sort of almost four foot by almost five foot, suddenly I just felt really nervous about it because painting really big is very, very different. Um, The technique is different as well. But it was my chance to really get my teeth into something big and to stretch myself, even though I was very familiar with the subject. But it took me a few months to complete. And I have to say, the roller coaster of emotions I was going through at the time was just unbelievable. <laughs> my, my poor husband, honestly. Sometimes he'd say to me, why do you paint again? <laughs> and I'd be I love it. And, and it, it, you know, I feel like I'm like this. I like this. Yeah, exactly. Sobbing. I love it. But the, the thing is, I think you you paint through this sort of wave of emotion but you go through these emotions because you really care. And I think if you don't have those feelings, then maybe, you know, you're not so passionate as you think you are. I don't know. But um, I was very passionate. I am very passionate about painting. But the trouble is, yeah, because of that, it does sometimes make you take you on these uh, roller coasters, I suppose, of emotions. It took me um, a few months to complete this painting, as I say. But um, I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to do it. But when the fog lifted and finally I stepped back and thought, oh, my God, I've, I've done it. And it looks great. It's just what I wanted. The feeling was absolutely amazing. It was worth all the stress um, that I felt at times throughout the painting. And the great thing is I'd learned something new. I'd, I'd learned that I can paint big. I just had never really tried before. I must admit, though, I was terrified unveiling That's it horrible, to them. That's isn't it? Really? It was... It's, honestly it's the worst ever thing is that part where you hand something obviously it was in Massachusetts so I couldn't hand it over to them I had to show them online um and then I was showing them loads of close-ups as well you've got a double Um, whammy there really haven't you because you're you've got to show them once as in you're showing them by email what what they're going to get but then you still got the worry that when they actually see the real thing that they're going to like it yeah exactly The thing is, as well, as hard as you try to get something to look exactly as it is online, it's never the same as seeing it in person for real. Now, I always think that a real painting is far nicer. Um, I do know that there are some people that make a huge mistake on their websites. What they do is they take a photo of their painting. They don't look at their painting anymore. They look at the photo and think, oh, well, it needs brightening up. Oh, maybe the saturation needs to be taken down a bit or up a bit. And what they're actually doing is they're not looking at the actual painting and comparing the image. I know it varies on different monitors, 
But ultimately, what I try and do is I try and make sure that the um, photograph I'm sending them is as close as possible to the real thing. I'd much rather they saw a, a photograph that wasn't as good as the painting than they see a photograph that makes the painting look something different than it is and then they get it and they're disappointed do you yeah, know what I mean so that's something that, that everyone should be really really careful about when they're selling abroad but yeah so I sent them the photograph and I got this amazing email back but I had to wait quite a long time for it because of the time difference obviously I was sending it to them and it was still the middle of the night yeah. and I actually um, woke up a few times that night thinking oh I wonder if this email's come back and I think it was about two in the morning and they sent me this email back saying, we love it. We're going to cherish it forever. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. I'm a, I was so chuffed. But then I thought, oh, but they've still, they've still got to yeah. send it yet. And they've still yeah. got to open it. But again, I got a most lovely email when they did get it. And it was such a good feeling. So, yes, in that way, it is a great feeling. And it's it's good to stretch yourself. But within something you feel comfortable painting, I think. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said about that horrible thing where you have first have to reveal it. I think in design, that that's a constant thing. Because, of course, everything you do, you have to reveal it, if you know what I mean, to the person yeah. you've done it for. And um, I, I guess my experience where I pushed myself was actually with a design job rather than an art. I mean, I've done art ones as well. But one was when I got asked to design an exhibition by a client but it wasn't just I've done panels and stuff before but this was actually design the whole area uh, and create it in 3d program so they could actually see what it looked like so it was like designing the counters and the display that the things would sit on and the panels and all the area so I did it but then the client was saying can you give me the dimensions and, and he knew, he knows that I just do visuals so I'm not drawing working drawings with all you know highly specced so you could just make something and I, I was stressing it this to him and he was going that's fine that's fine I just need rough dimensions so my carpenter can make it so, I, must just, I, I don't think carpenters work with rough dimensions well I, I guess his carpenter was going to take my drawing uh, my visual with my rough dimensions and then work up I guess probably a, right. a working drawing but because I didn't know all the what happens from here to that point because he was handling that side of it so I was absolutely terrified but everything went as far as I know went totally smoothly and I saw photos of the exhibition when it was all done and it's like you know wow I did that you know, I, I designed where that table was going to go and how that counter was going to sit. It's like, I say, terrifying, but good to see that in the end, I think. Yeah, and I yeah. think as well, not a commission, but kicking the creatives has really stretched me because I, I've been drawing by hand again. So again, not a commission, but something else that stretches you. Yeah, a little side project. Yeah. Mind you, it's turned into a huge yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was going to be yeah. a little side yeah. project. <laughs> No, I mean, it, but the thing is, although it is a good thing to stretch ourselves when it's commission, it's also important to know our limits to avoid being overpressurized. It's an odd fact that we can really enjoy what we do when there's no pressure and we're just doing it for the joy. And yet if we're doing exactly the same thing, but either for a commission or to sell in another way or show somewhere, it can really kill the joy. And the added pressure that it has to be great can be crippling and if you really want to do the commission but you're also worried it won't be what they want then there is one way around it so if it's something you really think you might enjoy 
um, then tell the clients that you'll do it. But if they don't like it, they don't have to pay for it. Um, in other words, you keep it um, and they don't have the painting. But it's that way you've had a go at what you think you'll enjoy. You've stretched yourself, but there's no pressure involved at the end. You're not thinking... <gasps> you've got to get out almost, haven't you? Exactly that, yeah. Uh, another thing you could do is tell them that you're not ready to do the commission yet, but tell them that. Tell them when you feel ready, you'll let them know. And that way, if they want to go somewhere else, then they can. But when you feel ready, they may still want you to do it. Yeah, I think it's really weird how a commission can change a dynamic or something. So yeah. you probably remember I was doing those 10-minute sketches for one of our challenges. I can't remember which month it was. You remember, don't you? The I was doing the watercolour. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I was really enjoying it until I decided I was going to try and sell them. I wasn't going to sell them for much because they're only these little 10 minute things. And basically it was just to get rid of all this pile of sketches I was doing. <laughs> so um, I, I started putting up these pictures of, it was like animals and also some faces on a website to sell. And I, and I can't remember, I was putting them for 10 or $20, something like that. And then I, I put a little advert on our local village thing, just showing these drawings. And people started saying, oh can you do my pet and, oh, and, then, no. <laughs> yeah, and immediately then it's like ah so I actually agreed to do one but I charged a bit more because there's no way I'm gonna you know do someone's commission pet for like ten dollars whatever it was no. and um I hated it because f for a start I've been using photos that were like really crisp and probably taken by either professional or very very accomplished amateur photographers that are on Pixabay and places like that, you know, these free royalty-free places. Yeah. And, of yeah. course, then you get sent some photographs that just someone's taken of their dog and they're not necessarily the greatest photographer. So you haven't got the greatest of reference, but then you're also feeling pressure because then it's not just got to look like any dog, it's got to look like their dog. And I, I sat there and I had... It was ridiculous. I must have had about four goes doing this. And I did it in a bit more than 10 minutes or probably 15, 20 minute drawings. But I hated it. And then I hated emailing him it to see if he was happy with it. And then I hated him picking it up. <laughs> I just I just hated <laughs> the whole experience. And I think that probably caused some of my slump. So it's, you know, I've had a bit of an art block since then. It's almost like that worry about that drawing kind of put me off it which sounds crazy, but I'm sure it did. I don't find that surprising at all. My sketchbook I've got, um, there's a point, because I think I dated everything that I drew. And that most things are fine, you know, and then you get to one page and the sketch is beyond terrible. It's just really, really bad, or at least I thought it was. And it's interesting because I didn't draw in it for at least, I think it was three weeks. There was a three-week period between that drawing and the next and I just completely stopped and there was that one thing I thought was terrible and it was almost like it frightened me and I thought I can't do this so I was terrified to do it I was terrified to to open it up again but interestingly when I went back to it three weeks later and I looked back at the sketch I thought there's nothing wrong with it really it's weird? not my best yeah it's not my best but it's nowhere near as bad as I'd built it up in my head to be um, but it's so true that when you do come to that one of those where you're just not happy, it can send you into a spiral of self-doubt, which is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I've been drawing stuff. It's actually got a little bit better since I switched and 
drew slightly differently but um Mm -hmm. I was actually enjoying drawing stuff and whereas before I just you know I was doing those 10 minute things and some would go wrong but the majority were going okay but I was just sitting down to draw and they just look terrible it's like how can that little hiccup or that little thing that you do then mess everything up and literally what's coming out of your hand is just like a disaster it's so odd yeah it is and it's funny isn't it because you know I was at a point where I could try you know just sit down and draw something I knew I could draw I've always been able to draw but I couldn't weird yeah it's 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 a psych it has to be a psychological thing without a doubt it's got to be like sports isn't it when they get psychologists in because they know it's not it's not their ability mm. that's the problem. It's like what's in their head. Yeah, I mean, my husband, Paul, he's a, a football fan. And whenever his team go through a slump, he says that it'll take one winning game and then they'll have loads of winning games. Yeah. And then that does happen. But then they have one bad game and then they have loads of bad games. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you do something good, you're like, oh, it peps you right up and you get your confidence back. But the minute something goes wrong... Yeah. You just you just assume it's going to go wrong again. So you it is stifling. It's it's funny how our our mind works. But I mean, what's always worked best for me is to paint what I love to paint and then put it up on my website. And if it sells, then obviously great. They've already seen it, so they know exactly what they're getting. Um, so there's no pressure there, is there? I'm happy to send it because I know that the the paintings are going to be as good as the photo or better. So I'm always happy to do that. But commissions are just so different. And the problem, I think, with commissions often starts at the very, very beginning when you're trying to establish, you know, exactly what it is they want. And it's so important to get as much information as you can from them before you go anywhere near a canvas. So make sure that you establish their budget, first of all. Um, Get that out of the way straight away because it's the worst thing to approach is that subject nobody likes to talk about money but ultimately you've got to um otherwise you could end up spending a whole lot of toing and froing with emails only to find that the price they had in mind was way way off and this has happened to me before when i did that big five foot marble painting oh, yeah. I, somebody else had seen it and they said oh we really really want the same sort of thing same sort of size i said to them look this is what this one costs we'll go through what you want because it depends on the composition it depends whether you want reflections on the base or shadows because it, it can either be more complicated or or not do yeah. you know what i mean and um, i said but this is as a rough guide this is what this one was and they said oh oh we we were imagining sort of maybe 800 pounds well this is a five foot <laughs> painting yeah. oil painting that took months to do no it's not going to be 800 pounds of course it's not but they don't know because they're not artists so they've no idea um, but it get that out of the way because I could have spent a long time figuring it all out worrying about approaching that subject and at the end of the day you've got to get that out of the way uh, you know basically able to say to them well okay I can't do this for you but on your budget I could do this do you know what yeah, I mean like a that's, small that's painting way or a simple one yeah. or something yeah exactly exactly yeah. um ask them as well to send you examples of similar things that they like um online so maybe something they've seen um on someone's website or on google or whatever but make sure that they understand that you can't mimic someone else's work successfully and nor should you 
um, make sure they've obviously seen samples of your work, which presumably they would have done, but um, find out then which of your pieces they particularly like and why. Maybe it's the colour palette. I don't know, maybe maybe it's just the style um, or the subject. But once you've got a really good idea of what it is that you think that they want, then send them some composition se- uh, sketches or um, photos and maybe even some colour samples. But make sure that they understand that while you can try your best to do what, what they want, you can't actually see what's in their head. You know, um, The more information you get in the very beginning, the better. Yeah, I mean, what you said about not knowing what's in someone's head, that is so similar to the design process, especially if you've got, so you've got someone telling you and they've got something very fixed in the head, but how they interpret it in words does not necessarily get it across. So I think the imagery you were saying about sending them sketches or examples, that's such a big thing in, in anything like art or design, really, really helps to actually see things rather than just speak it in words or, or written words. Um, but also, you might want to think about taking a, a non-refundable deposit. Do, do you do that? Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I've done it on design work, depending who the client is. Obviously, if you know them really well, you probably don't. But if it's someone you've just who's just contacted you, you never, you never heard of, I probably would. And then to price it, I mean, my experience more of pricing is design, but I think it's, it's probably very similar um, in that, I would think about any materials, postage and admin time that was, was going to be involved. So any, any costs involved in that. Um, but then think about how long it's going to take you and how much you actually think your time is worth. Because obviously, if you're just starting out, you're not going to be able to charge as much per your hour, even if you're not physically going to charge an hourly rate, as if you've been doing this for years and you're more well known. Um, but pricing, I think it's a nightmare. I, I don't know about you. Sandra but I will sit there when I'm quoting something and I will move the figures up and down and up and down <laughs> and so, so I'll start off and I think okay yeah I think oh yeah but that, that might take me a bit longer than that so I'll then crank it up a bit and I'll think yeah but I don't think they've got the money for this and I could really do with the jobs and it'll go down again <laughs> But you never really know what someone's going to expect because just like you said, I, I've sent prices over to people and I've had someone like, they're literally practically falling off their chair. They think it's so much. And then I've had someone who said, oh, that, that is really cheap. And then you're like kicking yourself for charging too little. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I don't know whether you can do alterations or if you would do alterations on your paintings but I think you also need to bear that in mind so have you ever altered anything I've never had someone ask me to do that yet and I would hate to do that yeah well I I only uh, say that because I remember um I remember my mum telling me she was telling me like recently actually um there's a guy um who was a family friend who was an artist and apparently he got commissioned to paint somebody's house a local person's house as in a paint a picture not going not going yeah. to decorate <laughs> and, um, so he took his painting round, and they said oh it hasn't got the flowers in it and he's like yeah but when I painted it there were no flowers because obviously they'd got him to paint it like probably in the autumn or the winter when these flowers weren't out where they were so then yeah. he had to go back and paint in the flowers that were now <laughs> now in the house in the front in the garden yeah yeah see it's tricky isn't it it's really really tricky this is why it's so so important to really get to the bottom of what they want 
and what you are going to do as much as possible and also there comes a point when I think you have to sort of say well no it's not for you is it I mean sometimes a client doesn't understand the length of time it takes just to get to the bottom of what they want and sometimes they don't even know what they want that's even worse but when you think about the length of time it might take you to read and respond to all of the initial emails even not to mention searching for examples calculating costs composing the subject I mean all of that can take days sometimes even weeks I know that when I did those marbles, I mean, I must have taken a hundred photographs, varying different things and sending them back and forth. And it was a long time before I, I got around to actually putting brush to canvas. And there does seem to be this myth, doesn't there, that an artist can just knock out a painting with very little effort. But that actually is not true for most well not for most people uh, there is a lot of stress involved a lot of the time and sleepless nights even do you know what I mean I've had plenty of them over commissions yeah I think people see the end result that's the problem and they just think I mean obviously they don't know how long it takes you to paint an oil painting but they just see it as as though almost the composition was already worked out as though almost you knew exactly what you were painting they don't see yeah. the prep work I think it's the same for design if like if you see a logo on someone's website and it's really simple. Yeah. You'd look at it and you'd say, it's so yeah. simple. But you don't think about everything that's gone into that. So, you know, like a painting, you don't think about the sketches you've done. You don't think about working out how to position things, the lighting, anything like that, do you? No. I mean, literally the planets have to align sometimes, don't they? <laughs> I mean, the commissions as well, they can really interrupt your own flow in your studio. They're much more difficult than your usual work. The thing with commissions this year, well, it really has slumped my usual flow because they've been big. And because I haven't been able to share the progress of them on my social media posts, well, they've suffered. My blog posts have stopped. Um, My Instagram page is practically dead. And that in itself, I found really, really hard this year because I used to post a lot. I always used to post progress shots, but they were my paintings that I was doing. But you can't really do that with commissions because at the end of the day, all paintings go through horrible stages. Well, certainly mine do. They go to, I've always called it the skanky teenage stage and they go through that. And the last thing I want the clients to see is is a photograph of, of it at that stage. So I tend not to, you shouldn't really anyway, you're not without their permission. So I found that alone really difficult because I've always been quite... I think I've always been fairly good online where I've kept up my blog. I've blogged once a week. And this year, I think I've only put about three or four posts up simply because of that. So I have made a decision that I am not going to take on any more commissions now, at least for another year. I'm going to have a year off of commissions once this one's done. And I'm re- that in itself has just made me breathe a sigh of relief because what I want to do is get back to doing all those fun things and posting and blogging and all the things I love well and enjoying the painting actually that well that is foremost what I love I mean what I love doing above everything else is the painting yeah itself I love it but like I say because I'm only painting these commissions at the moment those are stressful your own paintings tend not to be yeah so I think deadlines as well I mean we haven't covered deadlines but when you do a commission or or a design job or anything like that, there's generally a deadline, even if you've agreed on it and, and given yourself what you think is sufficient time, there is always that pressure that it has to be done by X date, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, you, you know, you need to bear that in mind because obviously if you're not feeling good, like if you are having a slump, 
you're still going to have to try and paint if you've if you've agreed that time you know even if it doesn't feel right to you so uh, need to build in I think a bit of an extra buffer for time in in that sense yeah I mean I've always been quite careful with saying when I can do something I'll always add on about three months (laughs) (laughs) and then if I finish early it's a good thing sometimes I just say look I don't know how long this is going to take and do you have a deadline and like this marble painting I said look I've never painted something this big and I honestly don't know how long it's going to take me I I can guess in my head but it could take longer or it it might not um are you okay with that if they said well no we want in a month I'd be like oh sorry there's no way I could do that and the difference obviously as well is that you're working part-time as well so it's not like you can Mm. be in your studio every day of the week solidly working on it is it no, no, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? <laughs> that really would. I think also one of the bad things about commissions or, or creating something, you know, on demand almost, um, is that it's all about opinion. So even if you've done something that you think looks good, the client may not, or you may do something that you don't act, you're not actually that keen on, but you know, in the time you've got to deliver, so you kind of shall I show them it, and everybody else around you is saying it's good. Um, so so you show them it and it's just that what is good what is what is bad what someone likes someone else will hate and I, I really hate that about things I mean it's good and it's bad mm. I mean I also think you need to think about what will happen at the point say for example if they don't like it what mm. happens then I think what you were saying before about saying you'll do something for them and they have the option to buy it or not is probably a, a good way around that because yeah. otherwise do you paint it again or I couldn't I could not paint a a painting twice because I wouldn't want to I think if some something had been rejected can you imagine trying to paint it again it would be sort of a sourness to it wouldn't it yeah I mean totally I mean you get it with design you you do something like I did something the other day I was telling you about before for the call uh something there's there was no time for doing this job you know no you know it's like do it in an hour or so and mm. and then you submit it and they say no but it's not like no tweak it it's like no don't like them and then it's like well, do it do I do it again or do I say sorry you know I'm gonna have to say this is not for me it's it's that horrible position isn't it yeah I mean it hasn't happened to me yet to be honest no I've never had yet had someone say to me it, I don't like what you've done yeah. but that's where the deposit comes in isn't it at least you haven't yeah learned a lesson and you've got you've paid for your materials and some of your time I think a deposit thing is quite tricky as well because it's very tricky I'm really because tr- I've done stuff oh probably about 10 years ago I did a design job uh, and one of the problems is that people don't necessarily articulate to you in the way you understand exactly what they want you know we've talked about the briefing before and so mm. then sometimes you think well I don't know whether I want to charge them for that. It depends how long you've spent on something. Obviously, with something like you do, you've spent, you know, months on a painting. But I've done something and I might have spent a day on it. And I've thought, do you know what? I think I'd rather just say, let's call it a day and not take their money. Yes. Because, you know, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth leaving that sour feeling, if that makes sense. I don't want to do it again. I'd rather just say, do you know what? I don't think this is going to work. Another thing you could do, which I tend not to, because some 
parts of a painting can be quite scary or stages of painting can be quite scary but you could send progress shots um, every after every session to your clients and say right this is the stage it's at now just so you know is are you happy with the color do you know yeah. what I mean that kind of thing but the only problem is they could get a bit scared because like I said <laughs> <Yeah>. before <laughs> some paintings often start out quite cartoon-like yeah. in a way because it's just a map you kind of mapping out shapes and stuff like this so they could be quite horrified at first but so you've got to I suppose you've got to pick your time to send them shots maybe yeah. but at least then you can you can say look you know I've shared the whole process with you you have time to say to mention this before or whatever I've never had an experience like this and I really don't know how I'd deal with it to be honest I really don't um yeah it's a tough one definitely um so I I remember doing some commissions I did some when I was at school of all things when I was about 15 I had a couple of commissions from teachers to paint watercolors because I used to paint watercolors stuff like churches and cottages and stuff like that and I remember all of the teachers once commissioned me to paint a leaving present for someone in the office. Can you imagine how daunting that is when you're 15? <laughs> I, got, I got sent up to the staff room. I remember my teacher saying, can you go up to the staff room and ask for, I think it was a deputy head or something. He goes, you're not in trouble. And um, I remember going up there and they basically commissioned me to something to paint this leaving present. And I'm like, well, how much do you want to spend? And they go, oh, whatever and it's this sort of what do you want oh, to paint God. oh it's up to you and I remember doing this and uh so her son was actually in in my year at school so I was asking him what does your mum like and I think I ended up painting I think they were actually moving so I think I painted their local church or something or a, a scene with that in it oh, I remember I remember having to take it up to them and oh horrible feeling and then, then there was another one where a teacher bought one of my paintings that had been in the art room hanging up. But then she wanted me to paint a house that she used to live in. So I remember sitting outside and, and painting this house. And I was absolutely terrified about taking it to her. And I took it to her at home. And uh, I remember taking it around, giving it to her. And I thought, she doesn't like it. You know when you see someone's face? It's like when someone opens a pair of socks yeah, at Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> I'm sure these were socks that I gave to her and, and she kind of but she agreed to pay for it and everything because obviously it wasn't that expensive you know I was at school yeah. but it's like you still I just felt so bad and I was so wishing I hadn't done it and I, I think the same is it's the same if you're doing stuff for friends and family that's really tricky um my gran she used to ask me all the time to paint watercolors for her and her friends and she even used to do it after I'd stopped painting watercolour. So I'd gone to art college. I no longer did that sort of painting. And I remember once um, she really wanted a painting doing. So I took one out of a shop I had had one in I was trying to sell. And I think I just gave her that one because I could not bear to paint one. <laughs> do people still ask you now in your family? No. Uh, no. Oh, my mum asked me to design her um, golden wedding invitation and I felt so bad because I really did not want to do it not because obviously it's my mum's golden wedding but just because I don't enjoy design much <laughs> and because it's my mum and dad there's also that pressure isn't there where it's well I don't know because they love everything I think <laughs> I think mums and dads just love everything well mums definitely <laughs> well, I don't know because sometimes my mum doesn't like my stuff sometimes she really likes it she tends to like the stuff I don't like 
She that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? That's quite often the case. What you like, somebody else yeah. doesn't. And then what you don't, somebody else does. So, yeah, I didn't really enjoy doing that very much. It's funny because we were um, talking about sketching and um, some sketches I, I just don't post. And you always say, why don't, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you post your sketch? I'm like, oh, because it's rubbish. And then I texted you one of them, yeah. didn't I? And you really I liked did, it. yeah. I don't think you... And yet some of the stuff I like... You know, you might not like as much. It's funny, isn't well, it? Well, I really like loose, quite loose sketches. And the ones you've mm. done were really loose. And I loved it. Yeah, and I don't know why you don't share it. But I saw um, Shelley Hicks, you know, on Instagram. Uh, I can't remember what her handle is. might just be Shelley Hicks. Um, but she put this thing on there saying about how now with Instagram, it's always that <gasps> when you share something. And she's, she was talking about how it, it was different now we share things, how we do. You know, whereas... Yeah. In some ways, it's good because you've got an audience, you've got uh, a group of people, like-minded people. But then there's always that thing where you could get criticism and, you know, you feel like you're putting yourself out there. But, yeah, she was talking about that a lot. So so go and have a look at that. Um, Going back to what you were talking about, your school. Oh, yeah. About um, being terrified and all that. I mean, that might have just been down to a lack of confidence in your work at the time. I mean, she might have actually liked it. it might have just been a sign that you weren't ready to take on a commission at that stage, but you were 15, so probably, of course, you <laughs> weren't. But any age, if you're not ready, there's no shame in that at all. And there's nothing worse than an old painting coming back to haunt you years down the line. That is a really good reason never to sell too early because what you think is good now might look really different to you in a few years' time when you've a lot more experience under your belt. Um, so now if I'm not confident in a piece I just won't sell it because I've had that before <laughs> I've given especially like members family yeah. paintings and that sometimes I see them think oh no <laughs> please take that down <laughs> um, but I do want to add at this point that if you do pick the right commissions at the right times they can be a fantastic way of stretching yourself and of boosting your confidence and they can open you up to a whole new audience and um, introduce you to collectors as well but just just make sure you're ready and it's extra cash to pay for yeah well let's not forget about let's not forget about the money (laughs) always good plus as well I think it's not quite the same commissions but you end up with all these paintings around and drawings you think what the heck am I going to do with them you know if you're not usually sort of selling stuff and plus it also I guess what it does do is if you can't think of what to paint or draw you know like some people sometimes get stuck at least you're then it's narrowed it down for you hasn't it because the person's already told you what they want exactly exactly that um if you're really not sure ask someone else's opinion so I mean, I was actually asking your opinion, wasn't I, when I was selling the 10-minute sketches? And you yeah. you basically told me to st- stop doing them and stop doing the, um, not like in a horrible way, but to stop doing the commissions because it was making me feel so bad. I was going to say, I was going to say, surely <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, what yeah. I said was I, th- I think you'd... you'd you weren't enjoying doing them and it was sort of killing the joy and that's when I said don't do anymore because yeah. that's dangerous yeah. territory. I think, you know, selling, especially faces, I think that's hard to sell anyway because a lot of people won't buy a face that's not someone they yeah. know. So you, you already had that battle anyway. But with animals and things, I think that's a great idea. Animals tend to sell, but... Um, well, I think that was half of my problem because I preferred doing the faces of people. And I think yeah. when we chatted and you said, oh, they're quite difficult to sell. 
you know and then I thought oh, I tried it I like oh. doing animals so I tried doing some animals as well and that's when obviously people then started saying oh can you draw my pet <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no as soon as you start feeling that way and we are gonna like we said earlier we're gonna do a an episode on when you hit that brick wall yeah. and ways of dealing with it so that's coming up in the next few weeks isn't it so listen out for that yeah. one but yeah it's a dangerous territory once you sort of start feeling like that just just stop it's not worth no. it it really isn't um so we need to now read out i think the answer to the previous question don't we or we'll say what the question was first um so what do you listen to while you create so we've got yeah. and no you've given me this name haven't you deliberately so i have to read it out <laughs> yeah I, do you know what i thought I opened this up to check that you hadn't taken it off of yours and put it onto mine because I was going to put it back onto Thank yours. You very much. Okay, so Mama Shag, Dodgers, classical Christian movie soundtracks, ML, MLB, I don't know what MLB is, do you? No. Spotify or Amazon. Then we've got Nikki Peckham. She says, usually whatever zombie apocalypse, adventure movie or car program my husband is watching on TV not the most inspiring creative sounds now that did make me laugh because I really wasn't expecting zombie apocalypse <laughs> then we've got I don't is that Siobhan I never know how to yeah. yes. Siobhan Kathleen McFarland she says most of the time I'm trying to listen to whatever I am watching on Netflix but I usually end up listening to my son and dog chase each other around the house and then Angela Murphy, she says, my husband moaning about my art stuff being everywhere usually. I like Angela. She's really funny. Um, and then we've got Mumsy Savo. She says, himself wanted to know how long I'll be. So again, I think she's a husband moaning again. Uh, and then this is the best one. This is my favourite. Lynn Vallon's podcasts like yours, classical music or audiobooks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's our favourite. Actually, we've got a lot of listeners now. Yeah. We, we've, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been lovely. We've had some lovely messages as well, which has been great. I have got um, Harbina Mackney. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, it's an Instagram name. Uh, Coldplay. Um, my husband loves Coldplay. Kim Hines says, Spotify music. Just lately, I'm enjoying Leo Leanne Womack. You know, Spotify is great, isn't it? Oh, let's <laughs> podcast on there now. As is on there. Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, and I was um, showing it to my dad recently because he came around and he was saying about this CD he'd just bought. I said, Dad, you really don't need to be buying CDs anymore. We've got Spotify. And he said, and I said, it'll play you anything. And he said, no, it, it won't pay you, it won't play anything. And what about blah, blah, blah? And he gave me this song from about, I don't know, 90 years before Christ. Yeah. I think. <laughs> and it found oh, it brilliant. and he played it and he couldn't believe it. He couldn't so believe he's it. subscribing? Um, I doubt no. it. He likes his CDs because at the end of the day, Spotify is, is only, it's just you're paying for a license to listen to yeah. the music as opposed to buying the music, yeah. aren't you? And, and he likes to have something that he's bought it, which is, you know, yeah. fair enough. But it is good. I love Spotify. Um, then I've got Christy Criswell Neff. It depends on what I'm creating. If I'm working on a seascape or mermaids, I'll listen to ocean sounds. If it's something with lily pads and fairies, it's usually rainforest or cricket sounds. Right now, I'm working on a series of jazz players. So, jazz, Frank and Michael Bublé, or whatever Alexa chooses for me. When I'm creating 
just anything for relaxation, I choose songs by Yellow Brick Cinema. Music definitely sets the stage and helps drown out all of the everyday things that my mind keeps wandering towards. Creating is how I deal with stress and all that jazz. <laughs> I've got my jazz hands going yeah. now. <laughs> I think that's quite a good idea. I never would have thought of listening to ocean sounds while painting the ocean. What a great idea. We have a brand new question for you. Um, and the question is, what is your favourite art quote and why? So what is your favourite art quote and why? Do you know why? what? I think we should expand that. And so it should be, what is your favourite creative quote? So then all the writers and crafters yeah. and everybody can come in on that as well. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what my favourite okay. one is. Actually, and I haven't written it down on my notes. It's just sprung into my head that maybe I should say this one. And, and I've used this a lot. And, and I can't remember who said it either. <laughs> I've got to look it up. But the quote was, in order to be good at something, first you have to be willing to be bad at it. And it was some famous art person said that. And I love <laughs> that really quote. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that the whole, but it's so true. It's so true. You've got to understand that you're going to be yeah, bad you before you get good. Yeah. It's like the yeah. old 10,000 hours thing, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder if that's actually true. Well, they have done tests on it, but I'm. But have yeah, they? But I can't remember what the result uh, was. And Malcolm Gladwell, there's a, a book. I have read it, but I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the answer. <laughs> so I'm just as helpful as you. So re you, hang on, you read a whole book on the subject, yeah. and the answer is ultimately yes or no, and you don't know the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know? Ever since we started this podcast, I seem to be spending a fortune on books. That's the trouble. Have you read them? <laughs> Uh, well, I read The Miracle oh, Morning, yes. yeah. and we did the Danny Gregory um, interview, didn't we, recently? And I ended up, because I had bought his, one of his books that I didn't have, and now John Bergman's book has costing me a fortune, this podcast. Yeah, I bought some of Danny's, actually, the um, peanut mm. one, to do a bit of research. Yeah. Have you bought that yet? It's only on, no, it's only on Kindle, oh. though, and I like something I can actually sort of touch. Oh. Do you know what I mean? I'm not very good with Kindles. They're not quite. I don't find them the same. I want have a book on my shelf. Well, I used to be like that, but then when your eyes get bad, it's easy because you can you can blow it up to like massive text. <laughs> yeah, which you <laughs> you did that once. On I, the podcast I always, yeah, my, my, you, my moment, so all my bits are really large. <laughs> Tara did some um, editing of the podcast notes once, and when I brought it up on the screen, it was like I don't know the font size was like twenty two or something, <laughs> like three bits. words. Yeah. <laughs> That was funny. Um, anyway, it, yes, let's get back yes, to what we were saying. Um, question. If, question. Yeah, if you want to answer our question, which we hope you will, um, you can tweet us your answers at Kick Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group. So if you haven't joined there, it's just Kicking the Creatives Facebook group. We'll also put the question up there and on the Facebook page and, of course, on our Instagram, which is also Kicking the Creatives. Yeah, and don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of the up-and-coming creative challenges and also there you can subscribe to the podcast which means you'll never miss an episode is that it then anyway that's it all right well see you yeah. next time okay bye. take care bye thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on itunes back soon electric pants.
oh god no but how oh yeah we should definitely do electric <laughs> pants <laughs> we could just get normal pants and put wow i'm electric or something on the front <laughs> oh well i thought you'd like um some daft pants considering your pants have got dogs on them <laughs> Shh, my, my listening. <laughs> she bought me the big pants no. doesn't everybody want dog pants she's for not christmas <laughs> no 